If you have a Bible, either a printed copy or a digital copy on your phone, let me encourage you to hold it up and repeat after me what we believe about this book. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now turn with me in your copy of God's Word to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and then turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 3 and 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel's in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. You're there. 1 Samuel chapter 3. I, I think each of you would agree with me when I say growing up is tough. As you're growing up and you, you enter new chapters of life, every chapter is tough. I mean, think about going to kindergarten. How tough that is for a child and how tough that is for a mother oftentimes as, as for the very first time that child is leaving home for the day and is away from the mother or the father. And then they grow up and they enter into middle school. And what is middle school? Middle school is crazy. And then you get into high school and, and high school is a different animal altogether. But after four years... You're entering into a new chapter. You're graduating from high school. And you're either going off to college or you're going into the workforce. But, but this is a big transition. And, and then for those that are in college, after four years of college, now you're entering into the real world. I mean, you've got to get a J-O-B and support yourself. And what I've discovered is every single chapter of our life is different. But in every single chapter, we are writing our story. You see, each of us are in the process of writing our story, a story that is one day going to be replayed. Our story is going to be replayed before us, before God, and perhaps before all of creation. And so what is God going to say when your story is replayed? Is he going to say, well done, good, faithful servant? Is he going to say, enter into the home that I have prepared for you? Or is he going to say, I don't know you? Depart from me. Or perhaps he, he may say, why have you squandered the opportunities and the gifts I've given you for less important things? I want you to know today, regardless of whether you're graduating or you're at some other stage in your life, you are writing your story. And your story, it, it is going to be replayed. Now, we have the privilege of reading people's stories in God's Word. And, and one of the stories that I think is significant for us, especially for those who are graduating, but for each and every one of us, is the story of Samuel. Samuel was a, he was a man of God. 
He was so significant that God chose to, to name two of the Old Testament books after Samuel. The Bible tells us that Samuel was, was the last of the judges. Remember the time of the judges? When we come to the end of that book, it says everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. In other words, people did not believe that there was absolute truth. Everyone decided for themselves what was right and what was wrong. Kind of like the day in which we're living today. And at the end of this period, Samuel was born. And we enter into 1 Samuel. And Samuel was used by God to call the people of God back to God as a judge and as a prophet. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, it says Samuel continued as Israel's judge for the rest of his life. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. As a judge, he led the people of God. As a prophet, he spoke the word of God to the people of God. Now, do you remember his story? Samuel was a miracle child of Elkanah and, and Hannah. Hannah was barren. She couldn't have kids. But she prayed to God. She cried out to God, and God heard her cry. God gave her a child, Samuel. And because God was faithful in answering her promise, she was faithful in dedicating Samuel to the Lord all the days of his life. And so when Samuel was a young boy, Hannah took Samuel to the tabernacle, to the priest Eli, and Samuel stayed there with the priest as he was growing up. I want you to listen to what it says about Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. It says, as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Now, what that is actually saying is that Samuel walked with the Lord his entire life. And every time he said that God was giving a word to the people of God, that word proved true. When Samuel came to the end of his life, an old man, he brought all the people of Israel together and he addressed them. And in 1 Samuel chapter 12, it says this, Then Samuel addressed all Israel. I stand here before you, an old gray-haired man. I have served as your leader from the time I was a boy to this very day. Now testify against me in the presence of the Lord and before his anointed one. Whose ox or donkey have I stolen? Have I ever cheated any of you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe or perverted justice? Tell me, and I will make right whatever I've done. No, they replied, you have never cheated or oppressed us, and you have never taken even a single bribe. Now, that's amazing testimony. From the time Samuel was a boy until the time he is now an old man, he had been leading the people of God and he had been serving them. And yet in all of this time, no one had a single thing to say against him. And when he died, the Bible tells us that all of Israel gathered at his funeral. I want to challenge you this morning to live in such a way that when you come to the end of your life, you will have no regrets. Don't waste 
your life because so many are doing that. Many who call themselves Christians are doing that. We have this, this mistaken idea that, that as long as when we come to the end of our life, we get to heaven, everything's okay. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that each and every one of us are going to give an accounting of our life to God. Each and every one of us are going to answer to God for the gifts he has given us and how we have used those gifts for the time that he has given us and how we have used that time. And I'm afraid that when that day comes, when our story is replayed and we're giving that accounting, I'm afraid that some of us will be surprised. We'll be surprised because we discover we don't really know the Lord. I think others of us are going to be ashamed and saddened as our life is replayed and, and we are there in the presence of our Heavenly Father and we see all those things that we've done that brought shame to Him. And so what I want you graduates to do is make a commitment today that you will live in such a way that when you come to the end of your life, you can finish like Samuel. But the reality is that message is for each and every one of us, regardless of whether we're in elementary school or middle school or we've already graduated and we've got a family of ourselves. We need to make a commitment to live our life in such a way that when we come to the end of it, we will finish well. Now, what was it that made Samuel into the godly man he was? Well, I believe when we look at Samuel's life, we discover five things. Five things that when put together, led him to become the man that he was. Here's the first thing. Samuel had a godly mother. It's been said that if you want to know the secret of greatness to a person, all you have to do is look at their mother. If you want to know the secret of greatness of a person, just look at their mother. I believe with all my heart that is 100% true. I am so thankful that I had a godly mother that poured the truth of God's Word into my life. And I am so thankful that I have a godly wife that poured the truth of God's Word into our children. And Hannah longed to be that kind of mother, and yet she was barren. She had no children, so she cried out to God. I want you to listen to her prayer in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And then when God answered her prayer, she kept her commitment. I want you to listen to what she said later on. It says, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. Listen, as a parent, it's not enough for you to talk the talk. If you want to raise godly kids, you have to walk the walk like Hannah did. Now notice what she did. 
First of all, Hannah prayed for Samuel. She poured out her heart to God. She cried out in anguish asking God to answer her prayer. Now let me ask you as a parent, are you going to the throne room of God on behalf of your children? When was the last time, parents, that you cried out to God, begging him to work, begging him to move, begging him to answer your prayers for your children? When was the last time your floor was soaked with the tears that you shed as you prayed on behalf of your children? I can remember when, when our kids were growing up many times when I was on my face before God, begging God, pleading God to work in the life of my kids. And I can vividly remember going into our bedroom. And that's where my wife prayed. And seeing her knelt down by her bedside where she prayed. And seeing her sobbing and weeping Tears falling from her face as she interceded on behalf of our kids. Parents, regularly pray for your children. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their holiness and godliness. Pray for their future spouse. Pray for their future job. Pray that they will walk with God first in their life all the days of their life. Parents, pray for your children. But Hannah not only prayed for Samuel, Hannah gave Samuel to the Lord. You see, it's one thing to pray for your kids. It's another thing to give them to the Lord. You see, many of us want the Lord to do for our kids what we want for them. But when we give our kids to the Lord, we're saying, God, I want what you want for my kids. They're yours. They're a gift from you. I would never have them apart from you. Are you willing to give your kids to the Lord? What if God wants to send them to the inner city of New York or the inner city of Chicago? Are you joyfully going to let them go? What if God wants to send them to, to a village in Iran or a village in Afghanistan? Are you going to want them to go? What if God chooses to allow your child to have a debilitating disease for his glory and your honor? Are you going to praise him? What if God so chooses to take your child on to heaven because it will bring honor to his name. Are you going to praise him? You see, it's easy to pray for blessings, for good health, for success for our kids. But surrendering them to the Lord is tough. Hannah, she literally brought Samuel up to a point where he could fend for himself as a young boy. And then she took him to the tabernacle, to Eli the priest, and she dropped him off. Now, I know some of you wish you could do that with your kids. I'm going to take you to the church and just drop you off. You can't do that, by the way. Now, now understand, Hannah did not abandon Samuel. That's not what she was doing. 
The Bible tells us that every year she would bring him clothes, I imagine. During the year, she would visit him. She was still his mother. But she brought him to the tabernacle so that from the time he was a boy, he would serve the Lord. Here's what I know. Children with godly parents have a much better chance of becoming godly themselves. Mom and dad, if you want your kids to make a difference for the kingdom of God, then you need to model that in front of your kids. Second thing we see about Samuel is Samuel grew up in the Lord's presence. I want you to listen to what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21. It says, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now, now this is talking about where and how Samuel was raised. He literally was raised in the tabernacle. And Eli became a surrogate father to Samuel. He was raised in the presence of the Lord. It's kind of like us being raised in the church. I got to tell you, I believe I was raised in the church. I mean, my dad was a pastor. And growing up until I was 15 years old, we always lived in a parsonage. And a parsonage is a house that the church owns that's typically right beside the church. And so every single Sunday morning I was there in Sunday school, I was there in worship. Sunday night I was there in training union, I was there in worship. On Wednesday nights when I was a preschooler, I was there for mission friends. When I got in grade school, I was there for RAs. That was for the boys. And you had GAs for the girls. When I got a little bit older, I was in student ministry. When we had revivals, I was there every single night. In the summer, I was at camp. In the winter, I was at camp. When we went on mission trips, once I got to a certain age, which was about 10, I went on those mission trips. I grew up in church. There were times that I did not want to go to church, but I went to church. Not because I wanted to go, because my dad said, you're going to church. Some of you parents... You have this idea that your child should decide whether they want to go to church. Well, did you let your preschool toddler baby decide whether they wanted their stinky diaper changed? No, you changed it. Did you decide, let them decide whether they were going to take a bath? No, you said, get in there and take a bath. You made decisions for them that were good for them and parents. When, when your child is living at home, you don't let them decide important things. You decide those things for them. There were times that I didn't want to go to church, but I tell you, right now, I am so glad I did. I'm glad I was there Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I was glad I was there at the camps and the retreats. Because all of those things made me into the person I am today. And I am so thankful for that. Parents, you need to understand that, that where our children are and what we show them is important to us is going to become important to them. So we show them that, that our sports teams are what's important. Then that's that's possibly going to become their God as they get older. We show them that, that, that music is the most important thing, then that can become their God as they get older. You see, we are helping them determine who their God 
is right now. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Young people, I want to challenge you. As you graduate from high school, I, I, I don't know, some of you, you're here regularly. Others of you, not so much. I want to challenge you. Make a commitment to get in the presence of the Lord. Whether you're here or whether you're away, find yourself a church family. Get plugged into that college ministry, that young adult ministry, and get involved because it will help you become the person that God wants you to be. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't take a break. You see, our, our blood family, the family that we have down here right now, one day it will be no more. I love my wife. I've told her. She goes before me, I'm not getting remarried. I mean, I, I, found, I found Miss Perfect. Why do I want to marry somebody else? And I believe that with all my heart. I mean, I, I would love to spend eternity with her, but, but the reality is the Bible teaches that when we get to heaven, we're not going to be married. Now, I don't know how it's all going to work, but, but here's what I do know. I do know our family that we're going to spend eternity with is the family we're with right now if we're Christians. And if we're going to spend eternity with one another, then it seems to make sense that we would want to spend the here and now with one another. Having fun, worshiping, serving, making a difference. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Third thing we see is that Samuel consistently served the Lord. Listen to what it says in chapter 2, verse 18. It says, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord. You see, it's not enough for us to go to church. The Bible says that we need to serve the Lord. And that's something we do regardless of how young and how old we are. It's so cool to see some of our high school students who, who are gifted in music um, serve on our worship team. We've got other people at various ages who are working in our AVL. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are, you can find a place to serve. And you need to find a place to serve. And by the way, you never get too old to serve. Some of us think that we can retire from service. I don't think you can. We're to serve God until the day we die. My mom, she's going to be 87 on her birthday, and her health isn't as good. She walks with a walker. Her mind isn't as strong as it used to be. A couple months ago, we were talking about how she could serve at the church she's involved in down in Tampa. And I said, Mom, you really could be a prayer warrior. Prayer is, is a, a, it's a heartbeat of yours. You believe in the power of prayer. I said, why don't, why don't you get the membership list at, at Mission Hill, which is where she goes, and, and why don't you pray regularly for the people who are part of Mission Hill? And Once you pray for them, just send them a card. Let them know you prayed for them that day. Your prayers are going to be powerful. That card is going to be encouraging. Why don't you do that? You see, it doesn't matter where we are in our stage of life, our age of life, we can serve. So find a place to serve. Someone once said that there are two things that keep people involved in a church, relationships that we build and the responsibilities, the service that we have. 
find a place to serve. The fourth thing we see about Samuel is this. Samuel listened to the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we, we see the story about the first time God spoke to Samuel. It was, was the time that I believe that he got saved. He came to know the Lord personally. I want you to listen to what it says. It says, one night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up, ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up with Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Now, the Bible seems to indicate that the Lord spoke to Samuel audibly then. Does God speak that way today? Well, God can do whatever God wants to do because he's God. But I've got to be honest with you. I've never audibly heard God speak to me. But I've heard God speak to me so loudly that I could not miss it. This is the time that that Samuel got saved. He did not know the Lord before this time. You see, the Bible says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. So Samuel did not know the Lord, but at this point he came to know who the Lord was. So how does God speak to us today? Because he still speaks to us. How does he do that? Well, let me give you three ways. First of all, he speaks through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. He does that when we're saved. When we get saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will convict of sin, the need for righteousness, and the judgment that is to come. When we're saved, if we're saved, we're saved because the Holy Spirit has spoken to us, convicted us of our sin, made us realize that our righteousness is but filthy rags, and our only hope is the righteousness of Jesus. And we need Jesus so that we'll be ready for the judgment that is to come. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to salvation. But when we're saved, the Holy Spirit speak to us, speaks to us. In John 14, it says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach us. Now, he can't teach us unless we can hear him. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to us. His spirit speaks to our spirit. But here's the problem. We need to discern how to know whether it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us or not. Because we can have all kind of voices in our head. And I've got to tell you, some of those voices aren't the Holy Spirit. Some of those voices are or the devil, some of those voices are your flesh, some of those voices are just craziness. 
So how do you determine whether it is the Holy Spirit of God? Let me give you two things. First of all, if the Holy Spirit tells you something, it will be corroborated in God's Word. The Holy Spirit will never contradict God's Word. So if you feel like the Holy Spirit has told you something that isn't found in God's Word, throw it away because it did not come from God. Occasionally you'll hear people say, God gave me a new word, a new revelation. Don't listen to them. We've got every word we need. The Bible is a completed book. The Holy Spirit gave us this book. It does not need to be added to. And so when people tell you they've got a word from God for you, be careful Test it by the Word of God. The second thing, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit is going to lift up Jesus and point to Jesus. Understand, the Holy Spirit never points us to himself. The Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. And so if the Holy Spirit is giving us a word, it's going to always bring glory and honor to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. Second, God's Word speaks to us today. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says all Scripture is inspired by God. comes from the very mouth of God. The word there inspired is theonumos, the Spirit of God, the breath of God. All Spirit comes from the mouth of God. And it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us what is right. Listen, if you want to hear from God today, you've got to get into God's Word. If you're not systematically in God's Word, then you need to be careful what you think God is saying to you. Because God has given us a Word, and it's found in His Word. So I would encourage you, as you read the Word daily, get a journal. And journal what God is teaching you. Every day when I read God's Word, God typically teaches me something. It's not necessarily something new, but He reaffirms something that I need to do with my life or I need to change in my life. So God's Word, He speaks to us through His Word. And then God speaks to us through God's people. Uh, listen to what it says in Colossians 3, verse 16. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Now, who is he? That he is God. Teach and counsel one another with the wisdom that God gives us. You see, the Bible teaches us that as the people of God, we need to seek counsel from godly people at times. There are times in our lives that, that we need an answer to something, and, and we cannot discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. We can't find an answer to the question in God's Word, so what do we do? We seek godly counsel. We go to people who are in God's Word and we ask them, what do you think God would have me do? So does God speak to us today? Absolutely. He speaks through his Holy Spirit, to our spirit. He speaks through his word, and he speaks through other people who are godly 
people. So we need to listen to God. But the final thing we see about Samuel is that Samuel never compromised God's word. I want you to remember that he went into this time where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And this is what it says about Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. It says, Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you're really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods, your images of Ashtoreth. Determined to obey only the Lord, then he will rescue you from the Philistines. You see, too many of us today are, are willing to compromise God's word so that we'll be accepted culturally. But you need to un be understand that Christians have always been called to be counter-cultural. The culture has always opposed God. This world in which we live always has stood against God. And there's been ebbs and flows when it comes to our culture. Sometimes our culture may lean a little bit more toward God, and other times it may lean away from God. But understand, our culture is always against God. And so as God's people, we must always be counter-cultural. We must be willing to call out the sin of the day and stand against it, even if it's not popular. And we must be willing to call out the false gods of the day, even though people are worshiping those false gods. You see, that's what Samuel did. And Samuel's story was a story that we read about today. It was a story that when he came to the end of his life, not a single person had anything bad to say about him because he had lived his life holy and set apart, righteous from the time he was a young boy to the time of his death. That's what I challenge you to do. And that's what I challenge you to do. So what is your story going to look like? I mean, when you stand before the Lord and your story is replayed and it will be, how is it going to play out? When you're sitting there on the couch beside the Father, the Heavenly Father, and your story is being played, are you going to look over and see a smile on the Father's face because you've laid it all on the line for Jesus? Or you're not even going to be able to look at His face because of the shame you feel as you realize how you've squandered the gifts and the opportunities he's given you and how through his Holy Spirit he gave you the ability to live the life that was pleasing to him and yet you gave into the flesh. How is that going to make you feel? When you stand before him, is he going to say, well done? Or is he going to say, depart from me? I, I don't know you. I mean, this is serious. We're all going to have our story replayed. We're all going to give an account of our life before Jesus. Are you ready? I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I want to ask you again, are you ready? Can you say with all your heart, I've turned from sin. 
I've asked Jesus to save me. I've given him my life. Can you say that with, with every fiber of your being? If not, then I challenge you to make that commitment today. Nothing is more important. If that's what you need to do, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you admitting that I'm a sinner. I've been living life my way. I've been writing my own story instead of allowing you to write my story. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you defeated sin and death for me. Today I'm giving you my life. I'm turning from sin. I'm turning everything over to you. I want to follow you. I want to be ready to stand before you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to God's family.